Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. In the bulletin today are some sermon notes that are going to be helpful for us and help guide us today. So if you didn't get a set of those sermon notes, um, yeah, Dina can help get it for you. She's got those back there. You know, as we, uh, as you know, the front of the bulletin says that today is going to be Second Peter 1, 3 through something, 3 through 6, 3 through 9. And Dr. Virgil Askren, our district superintendent, will be giving the message, but clearly I am not he. Uh, we are, we're adjusting today. Um, unfortunately, Dr. Askren is miserably sick. He uh, sent a message Friday saying, just to keep you not posted, I don't know, it's not looking good. And then he confirmed yesterday that unfortunately he wouldn't be with us. Um, he's just down with a really nasty cold, hoping to recover. Um, the district superintendent is a job where you're running on like 100%, I think, all the time. It's a busy job. So um, a forced sabbatical, maybe not the kind of sabbatical he was looking for, but... Um, yeah, we're praying for Dr. Askren as he recovers and then reschedule his appointment to be with us and reschedule his appointment to meet with our board. Um, but as we have adjusted today, yesterday as I was thinking about how we're going to continue today, it was pretty easy because I'm grateful that Emmaus Road has found foundation and structure in the Christian calendar. Because today is a holy holiday in the church. It's Trinity Sunday. Today, historically, is a day which millions of Christians around the globe are celebrating the Trinity, considering, pondering, um, pursuing the mystery that is the triune God. And additionally, uh, Emmaus Road, not always, but we pretty tr consistently follow the Christian lectionary. The lectionary is a way of breaking up scripture into a three-year cycle, and it tells the story of God. It tells the story of God over and over for us. So we're in year C of the lectionary, and there are four prescribed passages for churches like us, churches all around the world this morning. And so we'll be joining in millions of other Christians around the world, considering these four passages and considering how those might speak to us today. The, um, the preface, though, is that you guys are going to be experiencing a sermon a bit deconstructed because I didn't get the time that typically we would put into preparing a sermon. And preparing a sermon isn't that mysterious or difficult. Um, and we're going to be crowdsourcing it today. So you guys are going to be going through the process that I would have done given a few extra days of preparation. And we'll do this together. Does that sound all right? So what we're going to do, we're going to consider each of these passages. And as a preacher prepares to consider these passages, and as a preacher looks into what these passages are saying for us today, there's a very important thing to keep in mind. 
Um, Tina, you'll, you'll know this. The idea is we attempt to pull meaning out of Scripture, not to insert meaning into Scripture. That process is called exegesis. We attempt to exegete what God was saying in the passage to the person, the people, group that it was written to. We attempt to understand context. We try to do all these things because if we don't do that, if we just approach scripture without being mindful, it's easy for us to recognize the struggle that a family member's having, the ups and downs that our nation might be experiencing. It's, it's easy to take those things and insert them into scripture and say, God must be meaning this because we're experiencing this. And while it's true that scripture will speak to our current events, and will speak to what we're experiencing, it's a careful balance that we walk. So we'll be attempting to exegete meaning from these passages. Another thing that a pastor or a preacher typically will do after they've looked over scripture and after they've prayed about it, considered it, a few ideas are probably popping into their mind of what is coming out of that passage. They will look at what other theologians, other preachers, other commentators have done on the same passages. It's a good thing to first, make sure the Holy Spirit is guiding you. Second, check with trusted people. Check with others who you trust and you know and allow their words to also frame and guide you. And then finally, the last step is you can start really looking for what are those questions that are really rising in my mind and how can we present those questions to our community and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. So that'll be the process we're going to do today. We're going to read each passage. We're going to look at a couple quotes from commentaries. We'll ask a question. And then I'm going to give each of us, all of you, three to five minutes to respond and ponder and to write, to journal, so to speak, your reactions to those questions. Those questions are in your sermon notes. Uh, we have pens in the seat pockets in front of you. If you uh, would like to like lean your paper on something. There's like these wooden boards in there. We also uh, would encourage you to use your, um, can we call them the hymn Bibles the, or the pew Bibles? Uh, these aren't pews, but we have Bibles. So as we're considering the verses, it'll be on the screens for you as we read at the initial time, but then it'll go away, you know, as we're discussing. So you can keep the Bible in front of you open and Look back over the verses that we read and uh, allow the Lord to speak into your hearts. Sound like a good plan? It's good anytime we open scripture to pray a simple prayer, asking God for illumination, revelation as we enter the scripture. So let me guide us in a prayer. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as these scriptures are read and as your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say for us today. Amen. Amen. Well, let's begin our four passages today. They're on the front of the, or on your sermon notes, but we'll begin in Proverbs chapter eight. This is a beautiful chapter that um, in this case is showing a really cool dynamic between God, our creator, and quote-unquote wisdom. 
and wisdom being with God at the beginning and being a part of creation. Now we know if we're astute and if we've like read scripture a little bit that in John it says in the beginning was the word and then the word was with God. So we see Christ, the word, described as being with God at the beginning. Here we have an example of wisdom also being with God. Again, the mystery of the triune God. Let us read. We'll start in verse 1, go through verse 4, and then skip down to verse 22. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates, at the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you, I raise my voice to all people. Quick footnote in Hebrew, wisdom is always in the feminine. It's one of the reasons why we consider the Holy Spirit specifically, but the triune God as both, gen both genders, both male and female. So that's why we have the feminine pronouns there. Verse 22, the Lord formed me from the beginning before he created everything else. I was appointed in ages past. At the very first, before the earth began, I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills, I was born. Before he made the earth and the fields and the first, first handfuls of soil, I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizon to the oceans. I was there as he set the clouds above and when he established the springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits upon the seas so that they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And now, happy and how happy I was with the world that he created, how I rejoiced with the human family. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few quotes. I'm pulling from a great resource that Grace shared with me yesterday. Thank you, Grace. This was so good. It's called Daily Feast or Feasting on the Word. Um, you can find these on Amazon if you're interested. But what someone has done is taken the lectionary and provided commentary on the lectionary passages. So it's a very convenient way to pair lectionary reading with commentary. It's called Daily Feast or Feasting on the Word. And of course, we're using Year C because we're in the third cycle. So the quotes that I'll be sharing today are all from this book. Just as the trained eye can see the evidence of an individual architect in the design of a particular building, just as the trained ear can hear patterns of a particular composer in the movements of specific music, just as a trained heart can sometimes sense the inclinations and leanings of a particular teacher in what she has to share with her students, so the heavens are telling a story of the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. And we might ponder the wisdom of God, the architect of creation. 
Wisdom shouts a final surprising claim. I was daily his delight. We see this in verses 30 and 31. Rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. This is not at all the way we expect wisdom to look. Oftentimes, when we consider wisdom, we imagine something stern, an image of a tight-lipped person perhaps, a killjoy, even a solemn judge in a black robe. But this is not the picture that we see here in scripture. Wisdom is not dour drudgery. Wisdom is joyous laughter, dance and play. And to top it off, wisdom joins us in humanity and rejoicing our creator. Beautiful quotes. One more. Too often we allow our wisdom to speak for God these days. God is invoked in political campaigns. God is trumpeted in pious ways to show how we are more pure than others. God's name is used to fight wars and to make enemies. Somehow, wisdom does not lend itself to this abuse. Uh, Let me fix that sentence. Wisdom will not allow itself to be put to such abuse. Wisdom is an intuitive posture of truthfulness. Wisdom is a propensity to see things clearly. Wisdom is an ability to discern right from wrong. Wisdom is an ability to see through the facades of those who use religion or other selfish things for their own gain. Wisdom gains, gives life. Reclaiming this aspect of the Godhead would be a refreshing change in such a divided world. We've considered the scripture. We've heard a few commentaries, a few responses. Now I'd like to pose a question to all of us. Let's take a few minutes after this question. I invite you to fill in your paper to write it. Write what God's putting on your heart. And then to make things even crazier, we'd love to hear some of your ideas. So as you're writing, just keep that in mind. If you're feeling so moved or so led, we'd love to hear what you are feeling, what you're thinking. I'll bring this microphone out to you and we can hear it. So here's our question to consider. What inspiration or encouragement do you find in the wisdom described in Proverbs 8, which is found in the triune God and their creation? What inspiration or encouragement do you find in the wisdom described in Proverbs 8, which is found in our triune God and in their creation. All right, a few moments of dead air. If you're at home, I'd invite you to join with us in this activity. Um, I'd invite you to jot your ideas down and we'll just give ourselves about three minutes here.
about 30 seconds. Three minutes feels long in the church service, doesn't it? What inspiration or encouragement do you find in the wisdom described in Proverbs 8, which is found in our triune God and their creation? I was really struck, especially by the verses 2, 3, and 4, the idea that wisdom is constantly speaking, calling out, like a crier at the city gates. But it's also pretty easy to just tune that out, isn't it? To just enter into the city and go about our business. So the thing that stood out to me is that wisdom, while crying out for us, must be considered, must be listened to, must be adhered to in order to receive their message. Does anyone else feel bold enough you'd like to share? What inspiration, what ideas do you have? Jay. Well, let's do it just for our recording, because we're going to do a podcast of this, and people might want to listen. Oof, that's an idea. Go ahead. God is love, joy, peace, and life eternal. The wisdom of man tries to abort and change to the ruin of ourselves. Hmm. Be more kind and caring. Be more of a Jedi. Whoa. <laughs> a Star Wars reference. Perfect. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Anyone else? Yeah, Laura. The dares are representing. That's all right. <laughs> so um, I just was reading in the part where it says, uh, I was there when he drew the horizon on the oceans. And so often I'm drawn, haha, to um, <laughs> painting or creating um, the horizon. Mm. And it made me think how you can never reach the horizon it's ongoing it's always there and everything and it just it made me feel like wow he's there before after above us and below us and all around us and um that love is just represented in that way beautiful love it good stuff keely all right We'll do one more, and then we're going to move on to our next passage. So if you didn't get a chance, you'll have a chance a couple more times. I know one, well, excuse me. I know one of the things I always struggle with when it comes to understanding the Trinity is the idea that they are together yet separate beings. And so um, I think this passage made, or these passages made a good distinction that the concept of wisdom is separated from the concept of power. They work together, but there's the power of creation that is tempered by the wisdom that the Holy Spirit brings. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Thanks, all of you guys. See, this is great. Way better than I could have done by myself. Okay, let's move on. Psalm 8, our second 
of the lectionary passages for today, Psalm chapter 8. Is this okay? Everybody good? We're on board? All right. Psalm chapter 8. I am reading from the New Living Translation. Sometimes my first pass, I like to do that because it's very common, a little bit more poetic and um, modern language, and then dive in with NRSRV or NRSV or something a little bit more scholarly for doing the, the good work. But um, we're reading from the NLT. I think your Bibles are NIV, so it's going to be a little off, but here we go. Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic your name fills all the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything that you made, putting all things under their authority the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. O Lord, O Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Notice how in the psalm the question is an answer. Instead of acting as a topic sentence, the question is the response to the psalmist's sense of wonder. After he or she has considered the uh, has considered the awesome, vast expanse of the Creator's reach. Verse four is not a question to be answered. It is the answer. It is the prayer of the fishermen. Oh God, the sea is so great and my boat is so very small. It is the prayer of the teacher uh, entering into an unruly classroom. It is the prayer of anyone with both, both a daunting task and a sense of perspective ahead of them. The answer, the prayer, the response to the creation's immensity is, and at the same time, a whisper. Thank you. A dumbstruck, wow. And a shouted, help me. <laughs> the psalmist's answer is at least these three things and many more. David's awe is not difficult to understand. Few fields of learning are more daunting than astronomy. The lens of our telescope awakens our soul to the sheer enormity of God's creation. Our galaxy alone is spread over 100,000 light years, and it is estimated to just be one among millions in our universe. As David wrote Psalm 8, his eyes saw 0.001% of the stars just in our galaxy. Indeed, our understanding of the heavens it confronts us with two important thoughts. The incomprehensible greatness of God, our creator, and our own very small 
stature in the universe. In Psalm 8, questions and praise peacefully coexist. It is possible to have questions and doubts and still believe. Even more, between the questions and the praise, there is purpose and meaning to be found. God has made human beings a little less than the angels in order to care for all things under heaven. And on the day we speak of the mysterious union of God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, we are guided by the psalmist in this lyrical union of questions, praise, and purpose. While three things, while three things in one may be difficult to explain, they're pretty easy to understand and experience. So, for our second response in your notes before you, what is your prayer when you look at the night sky, when you ponder your place in the vastness of time and creation, and yet know that your creator knows every hair upon your head? What is your prayer when you look at the night sky or ponder your place in the vastness of time and creation, and yet knowing that your creator knows even every hair upon your head? Let's give a few minutes to consider that question. Just a few seconds left.
How many of you have had an experience where you're out of the blue, maybe not looking for it, thinking about your faith, and you find yourself maybe experiencing a moment of panic of what if, what if? What if the, the construct that I have for my faith and my meaning and my purpose in life, what if it's not what I thought it was? What if it's not real? What if it never happened? What if Jesus never came? Have you ever, is, is it okay to like admit that at times we have those moments of shock and panic? My reflection was that human understanding of God can never truly comprehend his vastness and his wonder and his greatness. And even in the moments of panic where we feel like I just don't have it figured out, we know that he is good. We know that he is real because of the work that he's done in our hearts and the way we experience him in our lives and in one another. Who else? Would anyone like to share? All right, Billy and Lisa. Now, if John were speaking, it'd be well organized. Okay. Okay. Creation, everything is marvelous. We know that. We are just one little cog. But in the past of three months, our lives, we've experienced three really, you can see, miracles. Our daughter is diagnosed with a unique type of breast cancer. She has fantastic medical stuff right on Manhattan in New York. Clara, would you consider how she was when she went down there to how she is when she comes back and how little Shelby was able to handle the fact that, you know, she didn't have her sister. They'd been like twins. That is a walking miracle. And then something really weird, when we found out, probably the day that we, Tiffany did tell us about her chemo, tell her third thingy, because she was sure we'd be upset about Clara. Our truck was stolen from our driveway. 24, 20 plus years old truck. I mean, there are a lot of weird things in that truck, but, Last week, we got a call from the police department that they had found our truck. Did John want to come pick it up? It was out of gas, it had no plates, and his Chris Ledoux tapes were gone. <laughs> it wasn't even trashed. Now we're just like a normal, not particularly outgoing sort of people, and we've had three. Plus, of course, you guys supported everything. I mean, we knew, I mean, you know what happened, but what it actually happens is neat. I wrote a prayer and I wrote, Lord, am I on the right path? Do you see me, Lord? Please continue to guide me and others to appreciate and protect the abundance you have given us. Please protect those in the face of evil. Amen. Beautiful, thank you. Thank you.
John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. So John chapter 16. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm skipping. Romans, Romans 5. We'll be in John after Romans. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. We can rejoice, too, we run, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us in developing endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he gave us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A beautiful representation of the Trinity in this passage. Real peace is not something that we automatically wake up with in the morning. Real peace with God is a verb. It is most often blood, sweat, and tears process that requires us and it requires in us active cultivation of our relationship with God. It means having constant contact with God. Thus, each person has to construct how he or she will build, maintain, and sustain his or her relationship with God. The same God that enables us to walk confidently through the joys and sorrows of life with Jesus, who helps us carry our cross day and night. This God, God as a community of persons, the Trinity assures us that we can love and be loved even under exceptional circumstances. Moving right into our response question for Romans 5. Is your experience of peace a noun or a verb? How has life's challenges taught you to find peace in difficult situations? Is your experience of peace a noun or a verb? How has life's challenges taught you to find peace in difficult situations? Let's give a few minutes to consider.
All right. Oftentimes when life is busy, too full, going at 100 miles an hour, we experience things that cause it to come to a grinding halt. Whether we wanted it or not, we find ourselves with time on our hands, attempting to peacefully engage of these, in these moments of struggle is definitely a verb, one that I'm still learning and attempting to do well. Who else? All right, John. I hate to disagree with you, but for me, it's definitely... I know I have it, and therefore, uh, I can always depend... The mic was cutting out there, but I love what John just shared because scripture tells us that peace is a thing that we can have, even in difficult situations. And that for John, peace is a noun because it's something that lives within him. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for disagreeing. That's, the, that's how good messages happen. I think it goes without saying that the world has held a lot of really hard things throughout history and the last couple years in particular for many of us in the world. Um, for those of you that maybe don't know, I work in alternative education with primarily an at-risk population. So I like to say I work in a petri dish of hurt and trauma and hard. And for me, um, peace is both a verb and a noun depending on the day. Um, as an English teacher, I want to agree with my father-in-law and say it is a noun, depending on the sentence. Um, it's a noun for me when I am seeking out peace, when I need to hold it, when I need to be grounded. But when I'm living it out and sharing it with others, I see it as more of an action. It's a verb. I'm sharing peace. I'm sharing the light of Christ to those that I love and work with. Beautiful. All right, Scott. We'll do one more and then we'll move on to our final verse. Thank you, Daniel, and thank you, everybody who's uh, shared so far. This is a great service. Um, in, in contemplating peace, I, I think of conflict, which is real and, and war is terrible. In a quest for peace, such as resisting Russian brutality in Ukraine or resisting hatred and intolerance right here in our community. This requires a doing, <clears throat> even if the part of speech of the word might be a noun. Um, and uh, when we refer to uh, scripture in English, uh, we talk about the word. In French, uh, they refer to scripture as le verbe, the verb. That's awesome. Love it. It's humbling to recognize 
here uh, in the United States, reading an English Bible all these years later, all the moments in which what we're reading, you know, there's so much opportunity that things have been lost in translation. But the beauty of the promise of the Holy Spirit is that he is our interpreter. As we do our best to get our hands on a good, trustworthy uh, um, version of scripture, we can have confidence that the message that was intended and originally is still being interpreted for us today. All right, finally, John 16, 12 through 15. Hey, this is good. This is filling up our morning. We should do our sermons like this every week. I don't know. Uh, our final verse, John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. There is so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear to hear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. And he will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Interesting picture of the triune God. Some people define truth in terms of statements, of fact, or propositional affirmations. Others like to say that there's no such thing as capital T, truth. The terms of communication in these verses are instructive. Jesus has more to say to them. The spirit of truth will guide them in all truth. What people hunger for today is the kind of truth that flows out of relationship and helps to develop and cement those relationships. Here, a statement by Jesus affirms a truth that comes out of his relationship with the Father and the Father's relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that is given to the persons related to the Father, to the Son, and through the Spirit. And to you and I, as Scripture has promised, we are now co-heirs adopted into his family. What this text wants most to do is to, is to encourage with the community an open-minded freshness of encounter and revelation through Jesus. John intends to shape a community that is receptive to spirit-guided growth. It is not that there will be, uh, it is not that there will be new truth beyond the word made flesh, John cannot imagine that, but he can and does imagine that the message of Jesus and the meaning of Jesus will require ongoing interpretation. John imagines a Christian community that is not locked in the past, but understands what Jesus means for us in our own time. Our final reflection, you guys have done awesome with this. How has the Holy Spirit guided you to new understanding in one of the many challenging issues that we face in culture today? How has the Holy Spirit guided you to new understanding in one of the many challenging issues that our culture faces today?
the older I get, the less I know for certain. Years ago, I could have told you with confident certainty the handful of prescribed ways that we encounter God and the handful of ways that he reforms our lives. The problem is God keeps going off script and I keep experiencing him in new and different ways. Anyone else? Tina. So I kind of see this passage circle back to the first one in Proverbs about wisdom. And um, I'm still mulling this, but anyway, I see without the wisdom of God, we can't do what he's given us the authority to do without to rule the earth, which is in Psalms 8. And we made a kind of a mockery of all of it. And we try to do it on our own wisdom, which is not working out. And so Jesus came to rectify all that, to create peace between us and God. And now he's given us the Holy Spirit so that we would have the wisdom to do what we're supposed to do. And at the end of the day, it is the, and if I say shalom, I don't know if you know what I'm meaning, but the Hebrew word shalom means more than peace. It's peace and well-being. And that's what really God wants for us and for the world. Beautiful. Amen. One or two more, and we'll wrap things up. All right, Laura. So the verse that came to mind, um, how I'm guided is to rely on the truth, not by my understanding or my feelings. Um, and so Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, not by my understanding, but by trusting in the Lord with all of my heart, submitting to him, and he will make my path straight. How often I take bits and pieces of that <laughs> and apply it, but not necessarily the whole thing. And then I wonder why I have no clue what's going on in my day-to-day -day life. Um, and during this season, for me, of seeking to know what I would do when I grow up <laughs> um, and wondering, okay, God, you know my next step. You know where this path is taking me. I have to ask myself, have I submitted completely or have I tried to take back control? Because my husband would know that I never do that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so um, I just, it, it kind of blows my mind um, in going and seeking more knowledge in this. I love this. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, as we move into a time of gathering at the Lord's table, I just want to say thank you so much for making this really fun. You know, when I first got the news that Virgil wouldn't be preaching and, I, you know, your heart sinks because you got to like, oh man, what am I going to pull together? But luckily, I didn't have to pull anything together. You guys have helped to do this. This is beautiful. 